Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Uncanny Night. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and continuing our journey together through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we are working through now the 13th chapter, and so we have uh, have been in this book for quite a long time now, but I really have enjoyed it. I think there's been a lot of great discussion that we've been able to unpack, and there's been a lot of good topics to discuss and a lot of rabbit holes to venture down, and uh, I really have enjoyed this journey through the Gospels, and so far, you know, for me, it's been fruitful because it's a nice reminder um, of, of just really the passages in general, and oftentimes, especially uh, being in a pastor role, uh, you, you've got the lectionary, and it doesn't go verse by verse through a whole book. It does topical preaching, essentially. Um, and by that, I mean it, it takes chunks of the text, and it you, it you know there's usually a theme behind those, but it's fairly common. Like, we just got done doing a bunch of parables on missions and the Great Commission, things like that, um, with you know the sower of the seed, the sower of the weeds, and so those are things we'll be discussing in the next few weeks on this show, but it's not a verse-by-verse guide through a particular book. Um, so if you read like the lectionary, it'll always kind of chunk it up a little bit for you. Um, and that's fine, but I think this has been a great help for me in my just personal studies to just sit and kind of kick the bucket around a little bit and uh, hopes that uh, we can cultivate, if you would, uh, a good understanding of the passages. And I think oftentimes, and I've mentioned this on many, many episodes, the passages are very easy for us to get lost in. It's very easy for us to uh, lose our sight or have it being taught wrong to us. And this is a good way for us to kind of revisit some of that. And it's also a good way for us to look at a text from a different perspective, because I know many of you aren't Lutheran that listen to this show, 
And I'd venture to say that you're probably in the Reformed or, you know, maybe other outline views. And that's totally fine. But I hope the show is providing you just a different insight from a Lutheran perspective on these passages. So we've got uh, some 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 parable discussions to take care of today. Um, we talked last week in kind of two sections. We started with the first part of 13, and then we went right to the explanation, which began at verse 18 and went on to 23. In that show, we skipped verses 10 through 15, and so now we will revisit these verses uh, and see what needs to be discussed, and then we'll probably start moving on. If you read through the Gospel of Matthew here in this little section, you'll notice that there's a series of parables, and then there's a couple explanations that are scattered in here. So when we get to, for instance, the parable of the weeds, uh, I would like to use that in connection with the explanation for the parable of the weeds. So again, we'll probably do another jumping around uh, as we explain the parables and discuss the parables. So let's see what the purpose of the parables is. Beginning in the verse, the 10th verse, I should say. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? To you, and he answered them, and to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, speaking to the Pharisees, it has not been given. For the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but not understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's heart has grown dull, and their ears they can hardly hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. All right, wonderful explanation to the purpose of the parables. And we'll dig into this a little bit. Uh, and then depending on our time today, uh, if we have enough allotted time, we'll look at the parable of the weeds and the explanation, or we'll maybe uh, look at the mustard seed and the leaven. Uh, and then we'll come back next week and do the weeds because the weeds, I feel like is a great uh, section to spend a whole episode on. So, you know, it's, it's okay to kind of jump around a little bit because um, a lot of these, you know, are, like I had mentioned earlier, are truncated and then, you know, the explanation is a little bit later on. And so I want to make sure that we spend the appropriate amount of time on each passage and, uh, do so in, in a proper fashion. So the purpose of the parables is an interesting mark because what we are getting is a couple things. And one is most surrounding the the reason 
that Jesus taught in parables. Now, this wasn't an uncommon thing in the time that Jesus is present. The teaching of parables was very common uh, in the fact the uh, Pharisees and scribes would use this method to teach. Uh, And oftentimes it was done in sort of a motion where the Pharisees would be asking questions and it was a question answer type session. But the parables were given as analogies and teaching points for the students to understand things a little bit better or differently or in more of a, in their eyes, a modern sense. And that's why we see Uh, In this particular time, a lot of parables driven around farming and cultivating uh, a harvest. Uh, We see the parable of the sower of the seed, the scattering of seed. We have the parable of the weeds coming up. Um, The mustard seed was very popular seed in that time. And so a lot of these parables are relating to the time period that Jesus is in. And he's using this to teach his disciples. Now, if we go to the Gospel of Mark, Mark basically gives us very similar instructions on the purpose of the parables. And it really is a focused motion around this concept. Jesus is teaching this so that it confuses the Pharisees and drives them away from him because they cannot understand it. And giving this to his disciples so that they can understand it. And the statement is really just evidence to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. And so a parable is an analogy or a means to teach one, but often without an explanation can be left to many explanations. And so it it can be confusing and it can be, a, a daunting task for the Pharisees to try and unravel what it is that Jesus is actually saying. So the purpose of the parables is to do two things. It's to confuse the Pharisees and to enlighten the disciples, to teach them the kingdom of God and to show them in their own way, in their own understanding, a manner by which God and his kingdom operate in this world and in the world outside or uh, the kingdom of God outside of our existence and our understanding. So that is the, you know, the, the basic uh, passage here in a nutshell, Uh, we have the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy where, you know, he's talking about these people who will see and not under and, and not perceive they can hear it, but they don't understand it. Uh, their heart is grown dull and their ears they can barely hear. And so he's describing the Pharisees who are who are standing in front of Jesus and they don't understand what Jesus is telling them. And so this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. So it is quite a weighty thing to consider that Jesus is teaching this. And he's also not doing it in such a straightforward manner because this would be that concept of the hidden but yet revealed God where Jesus is essentially hiding himself and his kingdom from the Pharisees while exposing himself and the understanding of the kingdom of God to his disciples and to those whom he desires to know about it. He has essentially allotted to the Pharisees their reward. 
Their reward is the adorate, the uh, appraise and adoration of man, their their wealth, their you know fine tunics and all of that. That is the Pharisees' reward. They think they're doing the work of God, but yet they have sown their heart to the devil. And so that is why Jesus essentially is giving them these parables so that they do not understand. So let us move on. And what we're going to do is kind of what I said a little bit ago is we're going to take the parable of the weeds and place that into next week's show. And so that will take us 24 through 30. And then 36 through 43. So we'll look at those two chunks of text next Friday. Today we're going to finish this show up with the mustard seed and the leaven and then the prophecy and parables. And so this will take us verses 31 through 35. So this is where we will finish out the show again, kind of chopping it up a little bit for chapter 13. And I'm fairly certain this is the only chapter that we would actually do this where We have the parable given, and then uh, a little bit later on in the parable is explained. And then in between, there's other dialogue and other parables taking place. And so let us look at verse 31 here and uh, dig into this material. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All of these things Jesus said in the crowds and the uh, in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spro- spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. All right. So the you know we get into that discussion. I really like that last verse and we'll talk a little bit about it here. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter what has been hidden from since the foundation of the world. The, the this verse points us back essentially to the garden and it points us back to the time in early parts of Genesis when uh, post fall we have uh, the world essentially is is steeped into chaos and sin and during that time people uh, would would you know never had a God or the God to pray to. They prayed to everything else, the sun, the moon, the stars, the wind, the rain, you know, there's God of everything. And that's what we call uh, polytheism where there's multiple gods. And we have the descendants of Adam and Eve who were monotheists and they had one God. And that's what we are as Christians. One God in three persons, the triune Godhead, but one God, three persons. Anywho's. Big, big discussion we could have there. We're not going to get into it. But uh, what we would assert in this is since the foundations of the world, the kingdom of God has essentially been hidden. It has been kind of tucked away. And this is why when God comes to Abraham in Genesis 12, he doesn't fully understand. But yet he's faithful and he obeys. And so a lot of the text in the Old Testament, you'll see that God comes, speaks to this person, and that person believes and 
obeys. But there's not a whole lot of kingdom of God and the explanation of that given in the Old Testament. What we get in the New Testament are these parables of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is, again, in verse 31, that he put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven is like the grain of a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is planted and grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and essentially becomes a tree. So before we get into uh, the explanation of that, I, I want to read this article uh, in the Lutheran Study Bible. It's on the parables of our Lord. I want to read this really quick. It shouldn't take me but a minute, and then we'll dig into the material. The differences between parables, allegories, and similes, and metaphors are not easily defined. Often, there is scarcely any difference. In a technical sense, the word parable, or Greek parabole, ordinarily means a quote-unquote complete and imaginary story that illustrates some spiritual truth. But the word originally signified the placing of two or more objects together for the sake of comparison. In the Gospels, parables are typically, one, allegorical stories that reveal how God is inaugurating his heavenly reign on earth through Jesus. Or two, such a story teaching disciples how they should live in view of God's reign. The public preaching of our Lord assumed general characteristics of speaking in parables. For example, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in the parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable, Matthew 13, 34. This is clearly seen in the synoptic gospels. However, only one parable or parabolic saying appears in the Gospel of John, the Good Shepherd, chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. There's a chart below, uh, and it lists all of the parabolic sayings in the Synoptic Gospels, and there's over there's 50 of them or so here in this list, and it details the chapter and verse in, or verses that capsulates that parable. For instance, I'll read a couple here. The wedding guests is Matthew 9, 15, Mark 2, 19 through 20, Luke 5, 34 through 35. The new patch on an old garment, Matthew 9, 16, Mark 2, 21, Luke 5, 36. Uh, the new wine and old wineskins, uh, Matthew 9, 17, Mark 2, 22, and Luke 5, 37 through 39, and so on and so forth. And then, of course, you've got like the blind leading the blind, which is only found in Luke, uh, the speck of the log, which is only found in Matthew and Luke. And so it details that out. So Jesus uses these parables to warn about God's final judgment, punishment, and bliss. But accounts of God's judgment are never portrayed as mere stories or illustrations. Interpreters must distinguish between the parables and the very real judgment they teach. For example, the parable of the weeds, which we'll talk about next week, and the parable of the net, which is uh, one we'll talk about probably in two weeks, clearly stand in a list of parabolic stories. But when Jesus interprets these parables, he explains God's real and coming judgment. Likewise, the stories of the lost sheep and the lost coin are clearly labeled as parables, but the rejoicing of the angels, a heavenly reality, interpreters often label the story of the rich man and Lazarus as the dividing and the dividing of the sheep and the goats, as Matthew 25 indicates, as parables because they fit with the 
style that Jesus has of storytelling. But the Gospels do not call them parables as though they were simply illustrations with no basis in reality. Uh, Luke makes a note of this in uh, Luke 16, 19 through 31. Like the passages above that we've talked about, um, going all the way back to the beginning of chapter 13, they warn about God's very real and coming judgment and his promise of eternal life for the righteous. So a great article helps us to kind of maybe understand the the overarching reach of the parables a little bit more, but Jesus teaches a lot in parables. And so this is given, as we had talked about in the purpose of the parables, to draw knowledge to the crowds, to the disciples, to those whom he desired to have, and to confuse and cause the Pharisees and scribes to be in, you know, disarray because they had already received their just reward. And so Jesus is giving them the parables because not all of them are saved. In fact, there are some sects of Pharisees that would essentially become followers of Jesus. Uh, We would say Nicodemus becomes one of those uh, people. Paul later, who describes himself as a Pharisee, becomes one of the most prolific uh, apostles in the New Testament and really in the history of the church. So it's not that all of the Pharisees are just automatically doomed simply because of the office, but many that were walking with these crowds in Jesus and challenging Jesus on his sayings they were the ones being spoken to in the form of the confusion that the parables would bring. There was no explanation to them. And if we read the explanation parts, it's interesting because Jesus essentially takes his disciples away from the crowd and he goes into a house, for instance, with the weeds and, and then gives them the, 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 the explanation for that parable. So now let's look at this mustard seed, right? So it's the smallest of seeds that grows and becomes this great tree. He compares the kingdom of heaven to this, the growth of how this very small seed, the one little planted by a little bit of faith can grow and blossom. And this is why the analogy is given in scripture that we only need the faith of a mustard seed because it is such of the smallest of seeds that grows into be something so tremendously awesome. This is all it takes, ladies and gentlemen. It, as much as I want to stress, it is not about your works, your behavior, the words you say. It is about having faith that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Even the smallest pieces of that faith. You can still wrestle with it and you can still even doubt it at times, but to know in the back of your mind that Jesus Christ died for you, rose from the grave and is Lord, you will be saved. It only takes that. And so Jesus is giving us this demonstration here of the mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds. Mark actually has um, a little bit more details here. We're not going to jump over there yet, but Mark gives us, you know, again, another parallel to this and helps us to explain it a little bit more. But for this, for this analogy, this parable, it is simply that it only takes the drop of faith before a person becomes a believer in something amazing blossoms out of them. 
And this is, again, going back to the sower, the seed, the one who had the seed sown upon good soil, that good soil is going to turn and cultivate and produce fruit. And that fruit can come in every different function out there. It can be from time in the church, helping your neighbors. It could be from, you know, your obedience to learning about God's word and devoting yourself to your family. And all of these things are all good works because you're serving your neighbor. So it only takes faith the size of a mustard seed. So then he turns and gives us the uh, parable of the leaven here. And he says, essentially this, the yeast or a little bit of leaven dough uh, causes it to rise. Leaven often is symbolized as evil, as Paul notes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. But here, Jesus is picturing it as a transforming agent that works quietly and almost unnoticed. So now let's take these two into consideration. That little seed goes into the ground and will eventually come and be into a big tree. But for a lot, for a long while, it goes unnoticed. It is working quietly in the background. And that is what faith does to us. It just chips away at our hardened hearts, little by little, day by day, just, just continuously chipping and chipping and chipping away. That is how Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven here. The hidden in the dough as God's kingdom is hidden in the world. This is the uh, interesting analogy given because you know, we talk a little bit about the hidden and reveal God, but it is so right in front of our faces that the kingdom of God is actively at work and things that were predicted in the Bible are coming true and things that have been predicted in the Bible came true in the time of Jesus as he fulfills hundreds of prophecies. It is, it is unreal to sit back and say the Bible isn't real or the Bible isn't true, or that that can't possibly happen because you doubt that. But what we have is this wonderful hidden kingdom being revealed to us in the world. Little by little, it is growing and continuously accomplishing exactly what it is designed to do, and that is reach the lost. This is the way the kingdom works. It is not something that's going to be out in the mainstream media. It's not going to be, you know, yeah, they make movies about it. And, you know, there are good Christian movies out there. They make music about it. Yes, we're on social media. Yes. But it is not going to become the political charge of the world. It's not going to become this, you know, platform by which candidates run on in order to be elected in whatever office they're seeking. The gospel continuously works, even though we, we, we are standing on the hilltop and shouting about it. The, the gospel continuously works quietly and in the background, unnoticed, as it continuously draws faith to new believers. So that really in of itself is the mustard seed and the leaven working together uh, to draw faith and to reveal the kingdom of God that is present in the world, but yet hidden from those whom God has desired it to be hidden. So these two parables contrast the very small beginnings of the kingdom of heaven with its exceptional, though hidden growth. God is still active in small things, even though his presence may not be evident. Jesus's ministry had humble beginnings, 
but its expansion has become miraculous. God uses even our small efforts to accomplish his great purposes. So think about that as you ponder these parables. And I pray that they will be revealed to you in all of their glory and that you can understand them in all of their glory. So that's going to wrap today's show. Uh, good amount of material that we worked through. Next week, we'll look at the parable of the weeds. We'll spend a whole sh- uh, an entire show talking about those, the parable of the weeds and the explanation of the weeds. And uh, then the following week, we'll work on the hidden treasures in the kingdom of heaven a little bit more, a little bit more uh, apocalyptic literature coming your way uh, as Jesus talks about the judgment of God. And we'll actually see some of that shining in next week's uh, parables as well. So thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, uh, I think I finally have the sound issues worked out on my Mac. I'm so excited. I've gone back and re-listened to some of this stuff as I've been recording, and it sounds great again. I'm I'm so happy. I finally figured it out. I'm so sorry for the previous couple of weeks or months now that it has sounded just off. So please, uh, I, I hope that they're edifying for you, but... I'm so glad that this is in better quality for you. And uh, so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. It is Friday. Get yourself to church on Sunday. And I pray that you can partake in the sacraments. And God bless. Have a great week. We'll see you all later. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.